um, with Mark and keep, keep going through Mark over the last couple of weeks, particularly last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus was again <laughs> in the synagogue on the Sabbath. It's what he did. You know, he just did that week in, week out. It was his habit. Remember, we looked at the Greek and the, the Greek talked about Sabbath as a plural. He did that on the Sabbaths. He did that multiple times. And I want to continue from that because last week we looked at the fact that he spoke these six powerful words that were, they were full of power, but they also brought healing to people. And where I want to jump today <laughs> is healing. So I'm going to speak this out now. For those that are at home, for those that are here, today we're going after healing. We're going to go out in faith. We're going to go after not just physical healing, but stuff that we carry in our minds, suffering, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that when we get to the end, we will be so hungry for a touch of God, yeah, that we will get the very thing that we need in our life, in Jesus' name. So Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 34 is where I'm going to go to first. Um, and I'll pray, and then we'll see what happens. Hey? <laughs> so Father, Lord, like every week, we just say, have your way in this place. God, at the end of the day, Lord, we know that... Uh, we all carry frailties. We're human beings in, in fleshly bodies, but we thank you that we're sons and daughters of the living God. But God, with those struggles of life, God, we just pray today that you would come, that you would touch, that you would restore, that you'd make whole. Father, I pray, Lord, for chains that have held people back, that they would be smashed. Lord God, bondages that have held people, God, that they would be broken, that today would be a day of victory. Father, I thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, forever. You heal then. You heal now, you'll heal tomorrow. And Lord, we trust in you, the one true living God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And we just say, have your way in our hearts and in this place today. In Jesus' name. So Mark chapter 1, verse 29, um, I'll read from. As soon as they left the synagogue, so this is straight after what we talked about last week. They've been in the synagogue. Jesus did a work. He healed a demon-possessed man. And as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and, Simon and Andrew. So it, it's still a Sabbath. It's still the Lord's day. It's still a day where people can be saved. It's actually still a day where people can be healed. And again, I'm throwing out there, depending on your expectation, yeah? Depending on your faith, maybe it's a day that we, you, can be healed. Verse 30, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately took her and uh, immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Amen. This was all happening in Capernaum. We know that even now where this was happening, there's a church there. Yeah, We know that even now where that church exists, they suggest that it was established all the way back then by Peter's mum. She was a serving person, they reckon. But I was reading that and I had this thought, right? So I'm going to throw it out there. A little bit of a thought, a little bit of a joke. But mechanics, because I know nothing about cars. Everybody, who, those that know me know I know nothing about cars at all. So there's this wonderful, wonderful mechanic that deals with all these European cars. Yeah, Mercedes and Saabs and the real cars like Alfa Romeos, things like that. And, and he's working, he's working on one of these AMG Mercedes beasts. 
Like this guy is a specialist and he sees a heart surgeon that he knows that's brought in his car. And so he calls the heart surgeon over and goes, check this out. And the, car, the engine's there and it's running. He goes, I pulled this thing apart. I opened its heart. I removed valves and seals. I, I replaced it with new stuff, good stuff. And then I put it all back together and look at it now, it's running. That's exactly what you do with a heart. You open it up, you fix it up, put it all back together, it's running. How come I get paid $80,000 a year and you get paid $1.8 million? And so the surgeon looks again at this Mercedes, this beast, this AMG, looks at the engine. He goes, now try that while it's running. Yeah, now try that while it's running. Because let's face it, when he does our heart, it's running. I know nothing about cars, so that was actually really funny to me. To be honest, though, no matter what, whether a mechanic's working on a car, whether a surgeon's working on a heart, the truth is you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, totally, fearfully and wonderfully made. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about ourselves as human beings, that even the word humans become a politically incorrect word over the last 25 years because it has the word man in it. But I wanted to share that just to say that you and I, we're not animals. In fact, you and I, we are the pinnacle of Father God's creation. Like, we're it. We're the best of what he created. Yeah, the, the best of what he created. And I guess the issue or the problem is that when we don't function like he designed because of the fall, it, life becomes really hard. Yeah, it's because of the fall that life can become really hard. Because each and every one of us is a miracle and each and every part of us is a miracle. Even, they say that even our digestive system is like an entire solar system. That's how huge it is, yeah? Every part of us, how we operate is brilliant. Think about the brain alone. They're only now starting to discover and reveal the complexities of our brain and how it fires. And as brilliant as you and I were made to be, we know that it only takes an infection, a sore back, some arthritis, yeah, just some really basic things to make us aware of our frailty, doesn't it? We're aware of our physical frailty as we get older. Um, I guess you can be young and suffering as well. But then, and, and then when you look at the mind, how delicate our mind is, we, our minds, we can become stressed. Beginning of the year, we can become stressed. Kids are going back to school. You might be starting a new job, a new course. You know, we, we experience anxiety. We experience loss. Something happens to our kids or, or you know, something like that. And all of a sudden, my, everything's kicking off in our, in our minds. We start to suffer depression. You and I, we're aware of our human frailties. We, we have to be aware of our human frailties but what i love about this passage of scripture is on the sabbath they've just finished he's just he's just healed the demon possessed man but yet here they are at capernaum and, and he's about to heal some of those that that are there with their human frailties and he's going to do it brilliantly because he's about to do it while their engine is still running yeah they're not dead and he's working on them. He's about to do it while they're still alive. That's worth an amen only because that's a miracle, the stuff that God can do in us, even when we're un unknowing, when we, when we don't know it's even happening. You know, I'm believing that this same Jesus through the Holy Spirit today is going to do a work 
in us, in someone in particular, in people that are watching at home today. Today, I believe Jesus is going to touch and he's going to heal some people. And I'm going to keep repeating that because I want to build our level of faith. Sometimes we can come to church and expect nothing. And if you expect nothing, when you go home with nothing, don't be disappointed. Be disappointed when you expect something and go home with nothing. Yeah, but I, I, I can guarantee you, our God, he, he doesn't disappoint. Our God just does not disappoint. And, and the picture I, I love in this pa- passage is that Jesus' ministry is actually, it's growing. It's, it's picking up momentum. You know, he healed and delivered one person. We saw that last week. And then as we began to read just now, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then all of a sudden, all these people are gathered at Capernaum at the door and he heals a stack of people. You know, by the end of the same day, the Sabbath day, yeah? This is humanity in need and Jesus just steps right up and he starts. Like he, get, he gets to work straight away. I love it and he meets their need. You know, they met together at Capernaum and there's a sense that, that they, we, we gather together in, in the same way. Yes, we, we come to church so that we can pray. We come to church so that we can give. We come to church so that we can bring our sacrifice of praise. That's all true. But don't we also gather together because we need a touch from the Lord? Like, oh man, if any of, you, if any of us were to say, I don't need a touch from the Lord, you've got to ask yourself, why am I even here? Why am I spending time with fellow believers if I don't need a touch from God? Like, we, just life in itself, we need a touch from God every single day you know we need our lives to be restored we need our lives to be revealed so we can be, bring glory to the father i mean that that's part of, of the vision of this church that we would be a safe place a safe haven where all people are welcome where they can be restored in jesus name and revealed for his glory that's the vision of this church and you know what that vision that reality, that need for his touch is not just for new believers. It's just not. That, that need for his touch is for seasoned, faithful followers. It's for elders. It's for, for deacons, board members. I don't care what you want to call them. Department heads, pastors, leaders. You've been walking with the Lord since you were three and now you're 95. You still need a touch from Jesus. And this touch is for everyone. And so this is a real life humanity that... that that these guys are experiencing in Capernaum. And though we see one life healed first, then we see many end up being healed. Imagine meeting Peter's mother-in-law. She's this person that serves, that does all this stuff. All of a sudden, she's sick. She's laid out in bed. And then she's healed. If that happened today, we generally would put her on camera and we would stream it on YouTube for people to know. Wouldn't we? We'd use it as an ad to try to get more people to church. We'd do that, wouldn't we? Like, come on. If you're not thinking we would do that, you're not marketing enough. Yeah? Of course we would do that. But this, this passage is all about what Jesus can do for us. So often, you and I, every, in general, sweeping generalizations today, we can get caught up in the awesome miracles that he's done, the specific miracles that he's working on. But our focus should always be on the one performing the miracles. And so whatever it is, whatever the miracle is, it doesn't really matter. We just know that he can. Yeah? I mean, that's real life. Real life, you and I, how often do we get, I guess, gobsmacked, stunned when something goes wrong in our own body physically? Yeah? 
stuff that's always worked well, you know, you, you might find that all of a sudden, you know, I've got a dicky little finger that's bent the wrong way, probably too much football and not quite the right technique and, you know, um, dislocation after dislocation and now I've got pain there. I'm 51 and I get pain in that finger. I, get, I mean, I'm really sorry for those at home. I can't even use that little finger to pick my nose. You know, I know, right? That's gross. You can't do that. Just drive past any male that's in their car at a set of lights and I'll give you 95% chance that they're going to be picking their nose. That's right. This is what you're hearing at church today. So it might, it might be something in your hands. It, it might be something in your back. It could be like my mum with her arthritis and stuff like that. And suddenly we become aware of the frailty in our own bodies. Stuff that it used to work normal. I used to be able to, you know, if I was on the ground, jump on the box just with a single jump without falling over and cracking open my skull. But now I probably couldn't do that. Things don't always work like they used to work. It just happens from one part of the body to the next. Anyway, when parts of our body and our mind aren't quite working as they should, shouldn't we look to Jesus as our healer? Like, shouldn't we, as Christians? I want us to have a spirit of expectation for what Father God wants to do in us and through us today. Like, seriously, sometimes we talk about healing and we admire those that are healed in other countries, third world countries, and we think, wow, look at what's going on there. And we believe it for here, but we never actually go after him, the one that can bring that tenaciously enough. If you were starving, if you were in the desert, if you happen to be fasting for 21 days, eventually when there's food in front of you, man, it doesn't matter who's in the way. It'll be get out of the way, you know? We've got to be like that with Father God, especially for his heart, especially for his heart towards us. And, you know, as believers, how do you and I, how do we process, think about this for a minute, how do we process our pain when healing doesn't come? How do we process our pain when healing doesn't come, even when we've prayed long and hard and in unity with others? Even when we've sent it out on the prayer chain and we know that the church and their family and their friends are praying and healing still doesn't come, how do we process that? Because I know that God can and does still heal the sick. I know it. <laughs> Man, this is the gospel. This is a tension that we live in with our faith. And yet in the same gospel, God can and does work through suffering still too. You know, in Mark 9, 12, Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? For me, this is stated really obviously and clearly. Jesus was called to suffer. He was actually called to suffer Suffering is at the heart of our faith. The cross yeah, is at the heart of our faith. It, it, it would be insane for us to ignore the cross. It would be insane for us. Yet we also have the sign of the dove, the power of Pentecost, don't we? We, we have the resurrection that comes. Jesus ascended into heaven. His spirit was sent to us and lives in us. So here we are in our faith sometimes when we carry stuff and struggle with stuff. Isn't there an aspect of the now and the not yet for us in our faith? That there's the ability of God to be able to heal now and sometimes it's just not yet. 
God does care for our need. He does heal us now. But sometimes the healing comes in the not yet. Sometimes it's on the other side waiting for us in eternity. Yeah? But we can't let that change our theology, can we? It's still right for us to pray and believe for healing. Just because sometimes people aren't healed or we aren't healed doesn't mean that we stop praying, believing, chasing, grabbing hold of. You know, I believe God's heart for us all is to be whole and well. But, but if you and I, if we believe that every and any situation we pray for will end up looking exactly as we imagined, we can, I keep on knocking, but I can't get in. So I need to challenge us all in that because maybe we haven't prayed for people enough to know that it doesn't always end up that way. Again, that still can't change our theology in fact, all that should do is strengthen our faith to press in even more and be more tenacious. Like my dog when he plays tug of war. Sometimes you've just got to be tenacious regardless. Don't let it change our theology around prayer and healing. The truth is that many are healed. The truth is that many aren't. But whatever, whichever... We still gather together and pray because you, we've got to understand this. Sometimes there's power in the praying, yeah? Sometimes there's power in just surrendering what it is that we carry and we're going through. Sometimes there's power in the love of the community that comes around you to help you in that time. You, I mean... He's famous, but I can never pronounce his name. Nick Vajigavajigavajig, right? The man that's got no arms and really no leg except for a little paddle. Yeah. Now, he, I'm telling you, he would have prayed for arms and limbs. But there's power in the surrendering. There's power in the community that's come around him. And now he's a worldwide speaker for Jesus and evangelist. There's still power at work. So we have to be encouraged right now and have faith, faith to answer, that God can answer our prayers. Because the truth is, if I look around the room and for those that are at home, put up your hand if you've had prayer and you've been healed or received a healing for something. Seriously, have a look. More than half, three quarters. So we know that God can, but we also know that sometimes the greatest healings in our journey, yeah, the greatest healing sometimes is in our journey and sometimes the greatest healing is found on the other side, that person that held on to their faith no matter what. And when they go home to glory, the glory that they've brought to Jesus, keeping their faith in their pain, you can't buy that. You know, there's just some wonderful truth in this passage of Scripture, particularly around verse 30. There's a tragedy, a tragedy in this situation because verse 30 reads, Simon Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. This would have been a shock to everyone because she was a servant. She served. The church that's in Capernaum now that started, started in her home. Yeah, it doesn't start in your home unless you're opening the door, unless you've got the gift of hospitality, unless you've got stuff. So it started in her home. She was a matriarch. She was a serving lady. She was the mother-in-law of Peter. That in itself would have been... I, 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 
I, this is not to big note myself, but I, I remember when people used to meet me, if my mum was with me, oh, so you're Andrew's mum, and they would just pour love and respect on her. I see it now when I'm with my daughter, Faith, because Faith just is kicking goals in whatever she does with youth work, with council, with church. And if I'm with her, oh, so you're Faith's dad. How are you? And they just love on me because of her. So she would have been like that. She would have been like a queen. She's an important person in the community. And at this point, people are just simply used to her being around. For those that know this house, just like Jenny Garnham, yeah? <laughs> You're just used to her being around, yeah? You just are. When she's not here, there's always a reason, but you're just like, where's Jen? People are just, you, you, they can't imagine a world without Peter's mother-in-law. She's just at the heart of stuff. They loved her. So this must have been a really serious illness that laid her out. It must have been. And there are some people that have to be on their deathbed before they're laid low. Yeah? You know anyone like that? This wasn't the man flu that she had. Right? This, this must have been serious. Think about it. This fever can mean all kinds of things. You know what it's like if you have one of your kids, for those that have children or grandchildren and they've got a fever and you don't know what it is and you want to pump them with medication, you want to take them to the hospital, you want to give them you know, cold packs and you know, icy poles, you, you just want to do something because you don't know what's wrong with them. It's scary. We know that life can be actually tissue paper thin, yeah? And we know that we've all heard stories of Loved ones, close friends that just like that, they were there one minute and then you just heard that they've passed away. The symptoms here were so serious that they tell Jesus straight after church. Like, they're on it, mate. As soon as they hear about it, they tell Jesus straight away. You can feel the seriousness of the situation. The wonderful thing is that there and then Jesus heals her. That's what I love about it. There and then Jesus heals her. And I love this too. She doesn't pretend to be healed yeah she's actually healed straight away and straight away she finds herself serving again mark 1 31 so he went to her took her hand helped her up the fever left and she began to wait on them immediately straight away she begins to serve so if jesus can do it for her he can do it for anybody in jesus name amen the good news of her healing then steamrolls. So then we've got momentum happening in Jesus' ministry because it seems to release and, and, and bring a, a sense of attention, you know, because this is mass suffering because suddenly all the built-up facade, all the built-up rubbish, all the built-up I'm okay seems to disappear because it says that they were full, that they were all at the door in Capernaum. They brought all the sick, all those that were unwell. All of a sudden, everybody whose life was okay is not okay because they realized that Jesus was in their midst and Jesus could heal. And so rather than pretend, rather than not tell, they ran to him. <laughs> Man, I love that. You know, so many people keep a facade where everyone pretends that everything's okay, that life is okay. But now Jesus the healer is in the midst and the whole town ends up at the door to Jesus. Mark 1.33, the whole town gathered at the door. The whole town. It's like all of Ballarat end up here at Mount Clear. What the fudge? 
Like seriously, what would we do if they were just all at the door? They're bringing all their sick and unwell. This is what's going on here. It's almost a sad and agonizing sight in a way. It's like Capernaum has become one big hospital. Yeah. But everyone from that region was coming, they were hobbling in, they were coming in twos and threes and fours, the surge, it was crowded, they, they just came. There's a sense of a desperate need in their community. And I want to say this, there's a sense of a desperate need in our community. Yeah? Let's face it, healthcare will always, will always be an issue. Yes, we live in a, a time where they do incredible stuff. Yeah, we're probably in a season where the best healthcare in human history is available now. Yet there's still such a huge need around us and in us. Yeah, that's the reality for all of us. And there's a huge spiritual need in our communities today. Like families are broken. People are suffering with unforgiveness. Bitterness in hearts, depression, anxiety. People that haven't forgiven themselves. People that have been in one relationship and that broke up and now they're divorced and they've not moved to another because they feel unworthy. People that at one stage in their life, yeah, you've got to hear me. It, for those that are listening at home, for those that are here, maybe you've been through a time where you, you went through and you had an abortion and you cannot forgive yourself for that decision. Yet there, there's such a huge spiritual need in our communities today that God wants to get in and he wants to heal and he wants to do that in all of us. You know, can you sense the tragedy? That though God has created us perfect, sins come in and creation itself's creaking, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to rise up, waiting for the return of God himself. You know, so what's the remedy? What's the answer? J.C. Ryle is a great preacher. He says this, Doctors are to be sent for, sick, sent for in sickness. The help of friends is to be sought. But still, after all, the first thing to be done is to cry to the Lord Jesus Christ for help. No one can relieve us so effectively as he can. No psychologist can give you peace. I'm not saying don't go. Mel and I go and see a family counsellor because we want to be better. They can lead us and guide us, but the only person that's going to give us true peace in our lives is Jesus. Yeah, Matthew one thirty one. I read it before. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her. The fever left her. She began to wait on them. Simple steps. Jesus just went to her. He just took her hand. He helps her up. The fever leaves her. The most amazing proof that a miracle took place was these words, and she began to wait on them. And she began to wait on them. You ever had a fever? Oh, think about it. Ever had a fever or ever had a, a really bad flu where you, you haven't eaten for three or four days? Sometimes you can become a little bit delirious. Yeah, become a little bit dizzy. You know, they, they say the difference between a flu and a cold is if you've got the flu and someone puts $100 at your front door, you can sit there and for the next week or two. But if you've got a cold before they've even left in their car, you've already picked it up and put it in your pocket. Seriously, right? That's how bad a flu can be. I reckon I'd crawl out of bed for the flu for $100. If any of you want to check that one day when, I go, when I've got the flu, please let me know. Most of us know what it's like to be so sick that we're bedridden, yeah? Peter's mother-in-law was bedridden and yet she's serving immediately.
She's not pretending. We don't need to tempt fate. We don't need to stop taking our magic medication because we may be healed. Yeah? When God heals us, he heals us and it becomes very obvious to everyone around us. It just does. So what's the remedy? You know, there, there are more questions here than answers. If, if he heals you, if God was to heal you this morning, if he was to heal a part of your body or your mind or your soul, would you thank him? Well, only one of ten lepers thanked him. Only one of ten after they were healed. It shows that even amongst transformed people, even amongst healed people, that sometimes there's a disconnect between saying, I got it, everything's fine, I'm back to normal. If he heals us, will we serve him? If, in other words, why do we pray for healing? Do we, do we pray for healing so that we can go back to the way things were? Do we pray for, for healing so that we can have a nice and easy life? Or, or, or why do we want the healing? Why do we want the, the provision? Is it so we can trust in that rather than trusting God? Aren't we always supposed to be in a place where we're serving God? Where we're giving thanks to Him? Where we're giving testimony of all that He's done in our lives? If he forgives you, will you stop sinning? Because we all want forgiveness, but sometimes we want to hold on to the stuff we're seeking forgiveness for. Real life stuff. Reality. Humanity. If he answers our prayers, will we turn our prayers into serving? Here's a thought. I wonder if we can still serve God. There's some health in our life. If we can still serve God, you've got, you've got to have some health going on in you. You've just got to go with me here because you may have lost all of your physical health, but if you're able to keep serving, you're a blessed person. Is that fair? So you can have all your body working, but if you're not serving, you could argue that that person is a sick person. So here it is. You're not healthy until the health in your life gets poured into the life of others. You're not healthy until the health in your life gets poured into the life of others. Get serving God. Let God bring health into your life and then channel that into testimony and praise. I love this about Peter's mother-in-law. She gets up on her feet and she begins serving straight away. There's healing in the serving and serving leads to healing. Mark 1.34 reads, And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And it goes on. I love the fact that it's written as various diseases. It's actually brilliance on the side of Mark. Because if he said blindness or deafness, we could have said, but I'm not blind, I'm not deaf. Like seriously, think about it for a moment. But he says various diseases. So maybe you and I need to be healed of various diseases. Maybe you and I need to be healed of various things. It could be physical, it could be spiritual. The various can include anything. And the other thing is by not naming it, by just calling it various, we don't get hung up on what it is. Because when you say cancer, you all go, ooh. When we go, it's a cold or a flu, everyone's like, oh, it's a cold or a flu. But when we don't name it, when we don't name it, the only focus we have is Jesus. So Mark knew something. And Jesus has the answer to all things, various things, various diseases, yeah? 
Man, I, I, I really like this. He's the great physician. He's the great healer. What's the song that we sing, Waymaker? He's our waymaker. He's a miracle worker, a promise keeper, yeah? Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. That, and we sing it over. That is who you are. That is. No wonder it's sung all around the world. It's truth. And if we know that truth, then to me it's obvious we ask Jesus for healing. Jesus cares for people. He heals people. He shows compassion to people. All those that came to him that one Sabbath day, he healed. Praise God that he healed the one, but praise God that he healed them all. Even better. So today, when we open the altar in a moment, why don't we humble ourselves and gather together at the door of Capernaum, yeah? And say, you know what? I'm not embarrassed to bring this before you today, God. Whatever it is, you don't need to share it with anybody, whether it's physical, spiritual, whether it's something you're struggling with, whether you have moments where you're just like, oh, I'm going to kill you, buddy. Moments of anger. You don't have to share that with anyone, but maybe we just need to bring it before the Lord today. And finally, in this year of new beginnings, step into a healing for our lives that set us straight. So then when we go home, man, I, I can't say it. I can't say bitch and moan in church. So when we go home, we don't do those things. I know people are offended. That's okay. Forgive me in Jesus' name. Because sometimes that's what people do. They go home. They're all smiley at church. And when they get home, all they do is complain. You don't need to share it with anyone. Just to bring yourself is a sign of humility to say, Lord, I need your touch today. You know, sometimes the hardest thing it's not to hide and cover up what we're carrying. Those frustrations, those moments, those anxieties, those sleepless nights, those struggles, those addictions, yeah? Sometimes the hardest things to go before the Lord and tell Him honestly, I'm sick, I'm angry, I'm an addict, I need your help. Sometimes the hardest things are those, is that. Because it's not the righteous that Jesus came for, it's the sick. So think about it this way. When we separate ourselves from our problems, and most of us have problems, what we're actually saying is we don't need Jesus. Think about that. When we separate ourselves from our problems, we're actually saying we don't need Jesus. Do, do you need Jesus? Do I need Jesus? Of course we do. Everyone in this room does, whether you've walked with him and talked with him for years or not. We all need a touch. James 5, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So I've got oil. I'm gonna, we're going to anoint people today. I've got no idea how old this oil is. It has been in this church since I've got here. So I don't think it's frankincense. It came from the body shop. Is the body shop still open today? Yeah, oh, good. Then at least it's sort of current. But we're going to anoint, we're going to believe. So whatever it might be, yeah? Let's just hold on to that in Jesus' name. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven, and it goes on. The reason that James 5 says to call the elders is there's something in the humility of asking the church to provide prayer for a need. And that's a good thing. You know what I hate? I hate when people go, I don't need to tell you. You should know. You're the pastor. You've been praying. Didn't God tell you? 
Oh my goodness. How stupid can you be and still breathe? Like if you've got an issue, Jesus shows us exactly what to do. He gives us the right way around. We're supposed to come to him. Yeah, we bring our needs to Jesus and we lay them at the altar. Man, no wonder why the Western world doesn't have healings like they do in third world countries. They run to the front. They don't care what the problem is. They don't care who knows. They just want the healing. We're too busy hiding, saying, why don't the elders or the pastors or the, why don't my friends in church know that I'm struggling? Well, because you're always smiling and lying. I mean, let's face it, you're not going to tell everyone. The reality of church is that we've got many acquaintances but few friends. And we're going to go after, oh, we're going to go after that this year in Jesus' name. But friendship requires vulnerability. It requires transparency. It requires sharing. It requires getting deep down and dirty where people actually will share their stuff but allow you to share yours so that you can come in and help them carry it, yeah? It's no different when it comes to healing. No different at all. That's part of the healing. Part of the healing is to humble ourselves. And, and, and once healed, let's turn that healing back into serving. And, and even if he doesn't heal the way that we want, the, the way that we want it, even if we're not delivered from the fiery furnace, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Bulbar, even if we're not delivered like them, yeah, he, they still said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we shall still. And they were still faithful. And his mother starts serving. And the prison officer washed Paul's feet. And the paralyzed man picked up his mat. Maybe today it's time for those of us that are in this room and those that are watching at home, maybe it's time to pick up our mats and work. Maybe it's time to start serving. Maybe it's time to start loving others. Let's choose this day, this year, as we walk into our new beginnings that we'll embrace and walk into our healings, that we will go for that. And as the Lord heals, we'll pour that love into others. I mean, isn't that a picture of revival? I mean, this is us, you and I, coming in our hour of need, not coming in all of our plenty, not coming thinking we've got it all together, but true spirituality saying, Lord, I need you. True revival is our hunger for him. You know, true spirituality is being vulnerable and broken. Lord, I need you. It's saying I need a touch. It's saying I need healing. It's saying I need your grace. It's saying I want and need you. Everyone was at the door of Capernaum. Why don't we stand, please? Charles Spurgeon said 150 years ago about the UK. Let's reference it for here. He said this, If everybody had come either to be healed or witness the healing of others, oh, when shall we see our places of worship thronged in this fashion with, this, with the spiritually sick? When will this great city of London begin to turn towards the Lord Jesus Christ? Will any of us live to see all our fellow citizens gathered together around the Saviour to be healed by him of all the wounds that sin has made? Oh, my addition now. Oh, this for Ballarat. Oh, this for family life, church. Oh, this for you and I and for those that are watching at home. There's power in prayer, this healing in his name. 
Sally, can I have the worship team up, please? We're going to open the altar and we're going to anoint those that want to come forward. And whether it's prayer for something physical, whether it's something that you're struggling with, whether it's an emotion, whether it's past, whether it's five days ago, whether it happened 30 years ago, but you know that it still triggers you. It still comes up and haunts you. It still torments you. Let's pray about it. Let's get healing today. You don't need to share it with anyone at the front. We're going to anoint with all and we're going to believe and we're going to pray together and we're going to see God have victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.